This is Recorded Future, Inside Security Intelligence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 181 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. How many of us can say that we get enough sleep consistently? And not just the number of hours of sleep, but the quality of sleep as well. In this busy world with work, family, and community obligations, good sleep often takes a back seat, and we find ourselves drinking that extra cup of coffee to get us going in the morning. Not to mention there's a global pandemic, which makes everything a little harder. Our guest this week is Lincoln Koffenberger. He's the Threat Intelligence Service Lead at Deloitte Global, and he's been conducting survey research into the role sleep plays in keeping our organizations safe. Our conversation reviews the data he's gathered, the conclusions he's developed, and his recommendations for organizations who want to make sure they're encouraging a culture where team members are coming to work rested and ready to give their best. Stay with us. I didn't start off in tech at all. I started off as a political science, international studies type uh, major in college, joined the army, did military intelligence there, and then started kind of transitioning my way into cyber, specifically into the field of cyber threat intelligence. So I've been you know, in my current position for about a year and a half, but I've been in cyber threat intel for like the last six years. Um, and, and, and it's just been fascinating. I love the tracking of bad guys in, in, in the very dynamic, always changing kind of environment. And so it's something that I found that I love and, and a lot of other people feel the same way. Can, can you describe to us some of the, the stops along the way and, and sort of the, the evolution of threat intelligence that you've seen over the years you've been at it? Sure, sure. So, I mean, started off, you know, in the Army, so very much like a traditional physical threat intelligence, you know, from a counterterrorism and counterinsurgency standpoint with a couple of deployments in Afghanistan. Um, then, you know, move stateside to, to D.C. and we get to see intel at more of a strategic area. Uh, you know, got out and then did a little bit of government contracting for a short stint and then uh, got to do strategic cyber intel in that regard with, with the government. Then joining the International Monetary Fund, that's where I got to do you know, threat intel at a very, very interesting cause you, level because one day I'd be doing tactical intelligence, helping our SOC understand, you know, helping our SOC understand kind of who is behind some of the incidents that we, we might see. And then next day I'd be helping my CISO understand what are the what does the threat landscape look like for us and how should that inform our investments? And then the next day, I'd help economists understand how to measure and understand cyber risk as it pertains to the global economy, which is really unusual for, for most threat intel folks. But, but it was something that was actually really, really exciting. Pivot came over here uh, to Deloitte and have been helping kind of grow our, our threat intelligence program. It's been pretty exciting to see threat intel as, as it's evolved over the last few years, especially as a per- uh, pertains to other areas I've been studying, like stress and sleep. Can you give us some insights? What is your day-to-day like these days at Deloitte? I have the pleasure of managing a, a wonderful team that's geographically dispersed, and we're looking at threats that you know come directly at Deloitte, trying to understand, like you know, not just what is hitting us, but why it's hitting us and who's behind it. What are the intentions? Because that helps inform all of the decisions that we make from a you know from a high level standpoint, both from whether, whether it's from what we do operationally to prevent these things from occurring or from a leadership perspective, how, how it informs investments um, and, and from a risk management standpoint, how it informs our risk tolerance. So um, 
there, there's so much value that Intel can provide. And that's what we're really trying to and ensure is that we're giving the most value um, to our organization. You know, you mentioned uh, earlier that uh, one of your interests is uh, people's stress levels at work. And, and I know you recently conducted a survey to that end. Can you, first of all, tell us what prompted the creation of the survey? There was two parallel things happening. One, there have been a number of articles in, in the industry of people coming out saying how, talking about stress and how burnout is prevalent in our field. Um, so, so I was seeing that. And then simultaneously, I'm also um, getting more and more people in my life telling me, hey, you need, you need to sleep more. And I didn't believe them. I don't like sleep. If I could go without sleep, I would. That would be my preferred superpower. But then my wife conspires with her sister, and, and she, who, who got me this book called Why We Need Sleep by Matt um, Walker. So I read the whole book and became really fascinated by all the different scientific research and that correlates sleep to things that are actually really important to our field of cybersecurity, uh, especially my subfield of cyber threat intelligence. And so it started getting, getting me to wonder, I'm pretty sure there's, that, that there's a lot of folks in this field that are sleep deprived, but I don't know that for sure. And I wonder what relationship, if any, exists between all this stress and the burnout that I'm hearing about in the industry and our sleep habits. So that, that's, that's what caused me to go and do the survey. Well, take us through it. What sort of uh, questions were you asking? Yeah, sure. So I mean, fairly straightforward questions. It only took a few minutes uh, for respondents, but simple questions after the kind of just generic questions like, you know, where do you live? What, what's your role in, in, in cybersecurity? Ask things like, how many hours a week do you work? How often are you working more or how often do you, do you work late? Uh, what would you say your stress level is on a scale from one to 10? Uh, what are the causes of stress? How much are you sleeping? How many hours a week do you get um, for like a, a sleep during the weeknight? How much are you sleeping on the weekend? How much do you try to catch up with sleep on the weekend? And, that, and, and then I asked a lot of kind of lifestyle questions to help um, understand what could be impacting their sleep, such as how frequently or how often they, they work out, um, what time they finish their workouts, what time they finish drinking caffeine, what time they finish drinking alcohol, how often they're checking their phone before they go to bed or looking at a screen right before they go to bed. All of those have been shown to have an impact on your sleep quality and your sleep quantity. And so ask those questions. And um, yeah, it was fascinating to, to kind of see like what the, some of the responses were. Yeah, well, we'll share with us. Well, what sort of things did you learn? Went through and did the aggregate. So first, I, I, need, I need to caveat that the, uh, so like the number of respondents, we got 141 respondents. Uh, the majority of whom were in the U.S., like 75% were, were, were U.S.-based. Uh, and from like a cybersecurity job breakdown, um, a third of them were you know, self-proclaimed cyber threat intel professionals. Um, 18, almost 18, 18% said that they were CISOs or, or senior level leadership like that. Uh, others, and then like 12%, which was the next highest um, percentage, were incident response. And so, and then almost like 40% kind of made up the rest of the gambit. Not a huge sample size, um, mm. and, and kind of a biased sample size. So, so I just kind of caveat what I'm about to say with that. But with that, we found that people, on average, uh, all of these respondents worked about 49 hours a week, so almost 50 hours a week. Uh, they averaged saying that their stress level was about six. It was actually like an average of 5.89, so like to, to round up, it's a six. They averaged sleeping six and a half hours uh, during a weeknight. And they rated their sleep quality at about a three um, on a scale of mm. one to five. Mm. Uh, and, then, and then when you dive down into some of the subgroups, 
Um, not a ton of variation when you look at the profession. Um, one interesting thing that shouldn't be surprising, though, is incident response. They recorded having a lower uh, sleep quality. There was like a 2.7 as opposed to the 3. They had a higher stress level. There's, they rated at a 7, whereas the average was around a 6. Well, so what did you learn here? I mean, go, going into this, did you have any suspicions about what you might find? And, and how did it align with, your, with those notions? Sure. So, I mean, one of my hypotheses was that the majority of folks in cybersecurity aren't sleeping the kind of medical recommended average of like between seven and eight hours. And that definitely held true when you looked at it across the board. A lot of folks are sleeping far less than that. And, you know, obviously stress was a part of the reason for even doing this survey. So when I looked and I thought like, all right, let's take a look at the stress levels and I kind of averaged those out and I looked, all right, what are the reasons for stress? Uh, and, and, the, and the top-sided reasons were high workload, lack of staffing, and lack of budget or other resources to go. You know, so basically it's a lot of work to do and not enough people or resources to do it. Um, and, and so that kind of prompted a lot of the stress. One of the things that I thought was interesting for stress causes, some people put um, other managers or leaders, uh, but, but interestingly, it wasn't generally their boss. Their boss was at like one, one, one of the lowest causes of stress. So people generally have a good boss. It's the other bosses that suck. Uh, hmm. Then sleep was kind of right in the middle of the pack as far as a, a reason for stress. So when, when I started trying to compare and correlate average stress level to, say, like the number of hours of sleep, I didn't actually see a, a correlation there, nor did I see a correlation with the between, between people's rated stress level and the number of hours that they worked. What I did find was kind of a weak correlation between their stress level and the quality of sleep. And it's what I saw as, as people's stress level increased, their quality of sleep decreased, uh, which stands to reason, right? Like the more stressed you are, the more uneasily you sleep at night. And there's also that kind of cyclical response to like the worse you sleep, the less well you are able to handle stress. Uh, you right. Know, you know, you're more irritable and things like that. Um, I also noticed that, and, and it was a very slight correlation, it was only like seven minutes difference, but people that had higher stress levels, it also took them a little bit longer to fall asleep. Like that, that got me wondering, all right, well, let's, what if I take a look at the stress, or I'm sorry, the, the sleep quality, and I started looking at that to see what insights we can glean. As I looked at that, what I found, as people's sleep quality decreased, we saw that the average number of hours of sleep that they got also decreased. And what's interesting is when, when you actually read the other scientific literature and the medical studies on sleep, this is a consistent finding that people think, oh, I'm just going to get six hours, with the, but they're going to be good sleep. That's generally not what ends up happening is, is <laughs> if you want to have good sleep, you need to actually put the time in. Your quantity is quality with, with, with sleep, apparently. Uh, the other thing that we saw is that as people's sleep quality decreased, the number of hours that they worked also increased. And again, that stands to reason. If you're working more hours, you have fewer hours in your day to do other things in life sleep being one of those things. So other interesting things that we found is as people's um, sleep quality decreased, we also saw it, it took people longer to fall asleep. Uh, it, people that got really good sleep took them like 15 minutes to fall asleep, whereas those that reported getting really poor sleep quality, it took them as long as an hour uh, to fall asleep. So that's, that's a pretty big swing. Um, same too, the number of times that they were average waking up in the middle of the night. Um, those that got good sleep, it was like around one between two and one times a night, generally to do something like go to the bathroom or help a kid or 
something like that versus those that had poor sleep quality, they were getting interrupted as many as like five times a night. Stay, again, stands a reason if you're getting interrupted a lot, your, your sleep quality is going to go down. Um, one of the things like when we looked at why people were getting interrupted sleep, some of the things that came up about you know, almost 20% of the time um, was work emergencies and, and phone notifications. They were kind of tied mm. to that. So our field is one of those fields that also has this kind of operational, we're always on component to it. And so that certainly does play an impact on our, on our sleep, which, you know, as you see, has impacts on stress and, and, and health as well. You know, I think we hear a lot, particularly right now, in the midst of the pandemic and combining that with the, the kind of divided uh, political era that we find ourselves in that you, know, you hear people talk about doom scrolling you know they wake up in the middle of the night um, that phone is sitting on the nightstand and so they they reach over and grab it and next thing you know an hour has gone by and, and really mainly what you've done is cranked up your anxiety level absolutely and, and, and it's not just the anxiety level um, what the science shows and what some of the findings from the study also support is when you look into your phone that light coming from your phone tells your body to wake up. Hmm. And, it, and, it, and one of the things that we found looking at this, like the people that recorded having lower sleep quality also reported more frequently checking their work email right before they went to bed, more frequently looking at a screen within an hour of going to sleep and less often giving themselves any chance to wind down. So all that kind of holds with that doom scrolling, like what you're talking about is, is, you know, in the middle of the night when your body is trying to, you know, slowly kind of drift into sleep, it, it, we're, we're not giving it that chance because we're throwing light at it, which confuses our body's circadian rhythm. It makes it think that it's, you know, time to stay up or time to um, be active when it, when it should really be telling it to go to sleep. So what is your sense in terms of, of how this can affect an organization's security? If, if we've got the folks who are, uh, you know, tasked with these things and, and they're, uh, you know, stressed out and, and uh, nodding off at their desk, uh, it seems to me like that can't be a good outcome. No, absolutely. Um, when we think about how this affects organizations, this is actually one of the areas where I find most fascinating is, you know, what can we do about this? Not just as a person, because I, I feel like medically those recommendations are fairly straightforward, but as organizations, it, it, it's a lot more tricky, I think. And so one suggestion, one thought that I've had is this idea of like cyber crew rest. So for pilots, they have to go and have a minimum number of hours of break and ideally a certain number of hours of sleep between when they, when they fly. And so hmm. I think we should you know, introduce something like a cyber crew rest, you know, because the alternative is where you're, we, we tell analysts, Hey, you're too sleepy to secure. You're too sleepy to you know, actually do your job well. Like, I can't trust your analysis. I can't trust that you've actually done all the things necessary, that you didn't miss something with this ticket. You didn't miss something with this incident response remediation effort. Um, and, and so the fact that too often, I mean, uh, we go back to like the, I just said incident response. There are many times where an incident response team will have to work long stretches at a, at a time. And at some point, you know, after you've worked 18, 20, 24 hours, your ability to focus decreases significantly. Uh, the, the chance that you are going to not be good at problem solving or just fail to remember things increases significantly. And so the, it really puts an organization at a higher level of risk. Uh, and, and so from an organization standpoint, 
the better option should be, all right, plan for these kinds of stretches and have rotations where you can you know, put fresh people at a problem and make sure that you're, the people that are just coming off actually get that time to rest. Obviously, there'd be lots of HIPAA regulations and things that have to kind of work through, but there are great sleep tracking devices out there right now. And so if organizations were to find a way that was you know, legal, ethical, you know, everyone, you know, all the workers actually agreed to it, but to where you could track people's sleep quality and then that affects who's on call and who's doing what in a given day. So you're putting the right people, the most rested people uh, on a problem uh, versus those that are not as well equipped uh, to, to mentally handle a problem. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting to me what, what I perceive as this, I guess, almost a, a cultural thing, which is this, I think it's a myth that, um, you know, the more hours you put in is is somehow a measurement of your, your dedication to a company. You know, you see this in startups, you know, you have the, the startup CEO who, who never sleeps, who, you know, works seven days a week, and because that's the only way that we're going to to get ahead, and and. I just think as as you're talking about these things here, I mean, there is a point where you hit diminishing returns. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Can't remember the CEO's name, but I know he said that he doesn't work any more than 50 hours a week because he's found that any more than that, he does just that. You you hit diminishing returns. And um, I remember several leaders that I really respect that are probably some of the best of their jobs, best in their fields. They ensured they were getting seven and a half hours of sleep because they believe that their job was to make good decisions. They need a, a well-functioning mind to do that, and, and, and sleep is you know, paramount for that mind. So this is an area where a lot of people just kind of assume that caffeine can solve their problems or they mm-hmm. can just kind of push through. And what's interesting is, like, it's, it's not always the case. Like, it, it helps you – caffeine helps you not fall asleep or maybe feel less sleepy, but it doesn't necessarily help your brain do things better, and, and, and it doesn't – kind of negate the problems that come with not sleeping well, unfortunately. At least that's what some of the, some of the literature is showing. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, you, you started our conversation by, by saying that, uh, you know, your own uh, attitude towards sleep initially was that, uh, you know, you, you, were, you tried to minimize it. Uh, how, have your, how have your views changed as you've gone through this, this journey and this, uh, this, the survey and your own education? No, absolutely. So twofold. So one, it's I'm, I'm starting to getting a little bit more sleep. Um, I'll, I'll be totally transparent and, and I am still not getting the full medically recommended. I'm getting about six and a half hours, which <laughs> okay. is better than what I was getting. So right. I'm, 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 you know, a little bit better every day. The other thing that I think is really critical is, you know, I'm not alone in this belief that, oh, I'm superhuman. I can do this. I can push through. I, I think a lot of other folks feel the same way. So part of what I do and, you know, and what I'd encourage others to do is test yourself. Go and keep a sleep journal where you track how many hours of sleep you're getting. And just do it for like a short period, maybe like two weeks, four weeks. Test yourself and see like, all right, when are you going to bed? When are you waking up? How often were you waking up during the night? Look at, all right, how often and how many times are you drinking caffeine throughout the day? How often are you drinking alcohol or, or other substances that would you know, affect sleep? You know, when are you working out? And do that for a period. And then also test yourself cognitively. Try and then, 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 for me, this is actually where I want to go and do the, like the next phase of kind of analysis is memory has been shown to be the main kind of like the main thing that is affected by poor sleep. And so mm. you go and do tests where where you learn something you know on week one, 
and then go and test it yourself in week two to see how much of what you just learned that you actually remember and what you recall. And if you can see that, wow, I, I don't remember any of that stuff, and then maybe try changing your sleep habits and then test your memory again. And if you see like, wow, I actually re re remember all that. I can save myself all that time instead of having to go back and search and, and, and relearn that thing. I can just recall it. And so that is part of what changed my mind. And I think that would also work for others as well. What about from a leadership point of view? If, if I'm, you know, you said you, you yourself, you have a team of folks that work under you. Um, if I'm in charge of, of a group of people, how can I set the tone that uh, sleep is a priority and that, um, you know, you're going to be rewarded for coming to work well-rested? No, that, that, that's a great question. And it's a challenge that we face is our team is globally dispersed. And so part of the challenge, too, is it's not just dealing with people, whether they are rested. It's also, am I getting them in the like, like the most productive part of their day? So if hmm. I'm in based in, in D.C. and I'm talking with folks in Asia Pacific, I'm either talking to them at like really late their time or really early in their morning where it's the opposite for me. And so trying to balance that is challenging. But what, what ends up happening, unfortunately, is I'll, I'll be like the early to middle part of my day and I'll still see, see some of the Asia Pacific folks still on. And so really trying to encourage them like, hey, no, 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 like work during your time. Like, like give yourself time to rest. Um, and having to kind of nudge them towards that. That's one of the things that we've been doing. The other thing that I'm trying to do, which, uh, as you heard earlier about my changes in, in sleep, I'm trying to lead by example in that and, and, and get, I'm not there yet, but trying to make sure that you're getting enough rest. And so looking at the, the data and the, at the surveys, CISOs are regularly getting like six and a half hours of sleep. So mm -hmm. if they are wanting people to get more sleep, they themselves should also get more sleep as well. Um, you know, I think like the medically recommended is at least seven, you know, and then the closer you, you can get the eight, the better. How about naps? Uh, you know, I, I worked for a company once and they had, they had some little nap rooms where if you wanted to go, you know, take a half an hour and, and either just close your eyes or take a quick snooze, you know, that was something they supported. Is that, is that a helpful thing for folks? Absolutely. And so the literature certainly supports that. Um, taking naps is certainly huge. Any, every little bit helps. I actually asked about that as well. And um, people said that they felt like they could take naps. Not many do, especially for folks that are on incident response or working. Any kind of situation where you're going to have to be up for a longer stretch than usual, taking a 15 minute or even an hour nap if you can is, is certainly very, very helpful and beneficial. So thankfully, from also what I've seen in the organization or from the survey is that most organizations that the respondents work for, they, they seem to be open to people taking naps as needed. I asked people about their beliefs about sleep and work. One of the things that I asked was, how much sleep do you think you need to do your job well? And the majority of folks said between seven and eight. But then I also asked them, like, how much sleep do you think you, how little sleep can you get by with and do your job well enough? And a lot of times people would say things like, you know, six and you know, seven to six hours. Um, but in my field of cyber threat intel, um, our professionals had the highest percentage of people of, of all the different professions that said that they could get by with less than six hours of sleep and do their job well enough. For me, that was fascinating because when you look at the aspects of sleep deprivation that have the biggest impact um, on a person or it, sleep deprivation negatively impacts your memory, 
your ability to problem solve, your, your creativity, and it makes you more likely to have cognitive bias, to really hold fast to beliefs that you already established and unwilling to compromise. All of those are horrible, horrible for, for cyber intelligence professionals. Um, we rely on our memories to do our job well. You know, we're constantly trying to solve difficult problems. We need creativity to be able to think outside of the box and how bad guys are doing the things they're doing. And bias is like a cancer of the mind for our field. So like, like we have to recognize and be able to overcome those biases to do our job well. It makes me feel like my profession in particular has a long road to go with recognizing sleep and its impact on our performance. Our thanks to Lincoln Koffenberger from Deloitte Global for joining us. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Futures Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Caitlin Mattingly. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thank you.